We have been going through Romans chapter 12 talking about belonging. Belong is a word that is used in this text. And so we're talking about belonging. And we're also talking about being members of the body because members are mentioned in this text. So we're using two good Bible words as we talk about how we belong as members to the body of Christ. And the metaphor we're using is find your place at the table. And so we envision a place that God has assigned for us where we are to operate and participate in the body of believers. So that's what we're looking at and looking toward as we continue going through this wonderful chapter, Romans chapter 12. And today we get to verse 6, the first two verses. We're about worship, presenting your body a living sacrifice unto God. The next two or three verses, we talked about assessing yourself, understanding who you are in God's favor, in His grace, and exercising your faith in regard to who you are. And today, I think we touch on something now here in this text that is really life-changing and could be life-changing for those of you who are here this morning. We're going to talk about you and how you have been given a gift from God, a grace gift. I want us to read about it, and then I want us to think about it. Starting in verse 6, Romans chapter 12. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so we have a list of gifts Here in Romans chapter 12, there are other lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, four or five all told, and all of them are different. So I would suggest to you that we're not reading an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts here, but a representative list, and that there are many others that are exercised in the body of Christ. It's disturbing to note the trend more and more heroin use in these United States. In one place now, placement into foster care is up by 40% just in the last two or three years because of heroin and cocaine addiction. Did you know that for young adults in this country, overdoses are now killing 24% more people than they were just a couple of years ago? with the flow of heroin and cocaine and its apparently cheap price on the street. This practice and these fatalities are skyrocketing among us. And people are asking, why? Why is there increased use of heroin and cocaine and why are people overdosing? Is it intentional? Is it accidental? My own first cousin, Brian Crosby, and his wife, died in a lodge in Colorado as a result of heroin overdose. 
He was a brilliant man, Brian was. He reprogrammed the Hewlett-Packard printer 20 years ago. He died of an overdose of heroin. People are saying now that maybe the cause of this is that we are, as a demographic group, these young adults, discouraged, maybe depressed, and feeling helpless and hopeless about life. And I would imagine in this room today, there are some people who would describe themselves as discouraged, maybe even in despair, maybe depressed about life and feeling pretty hopeless about the future. What we are talking about today speaks directly to that condition. What we will address today can dramatically change your disposition and how you view the world. God is at work when you use your gift. God is at work when you use your gift. That is the activity of God. Some of you have been wondering, where can I see the activity of God? Where can I be part of God's work in the world? The scripture says that God gives you this gift for the common good, that you are gifted by the Father in heaven, and that when you use this gift, it is the activity of God in your life. When life turns upside down, when things go haywire on you, when the business craters and you have to close the doors, when your marriage crumbles, when disaster strikes, you can do one of two things. You can throw your hands up and quit and withdraw from all the places you have received inspiration and nourishment for your soul. Or you can, in the time when the world is upside down, say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in the midst of this. I'm going to have faith and believe that you have a purpose and plan for my life. And I'm going to stay connected to what you are doing in me. Statistically, people who have experienced the upside-down world, for whom life has just unraveled completely, those people are more likely to come up with the great creative ideas that shape the future of the planet. Statistically, people who have experienced chaos and difficulty discover a new way of looking at their world. Coupled with their gifts and this new way of looking at their world, they inspire the people around them to great things. Do not get discouraged if your world has collapsed because God is at work in the midst of the trouble bringing about something brand new for you. God is at work in the exercise of your gift and you need to understand if you've got a gift to speak, to serve, to give, to show mercy, that God has endowed you with that gift. You need the separation that this provides for you so that when you use your gift and people criticize you 
in the use of your gift. You don't take it too personally. You say, well, I did the best I could, but that was God's gift to me. And if they praise you and your gift goes viral, you don't get arrogant and proud. You say, oh, no, that was God's gift to me. And I give him all the glory and all the credit. Now, Tim Johnson does this on a regular basis, I'm telling you. If he gets up here on this platform and he sings a song, you know what he's going to say? God gave me this song. Well, who's going to criticize a song from God, right? (laughs) But what Tim is saying is really true. He needs to see his gift of song as coming from outside of himself. Not intrinsic to him, but a gift from the Spirit of God. It protects him from arrogance if his song is played on a hundred radio stations as it already is. And it protects him from the despair that comes on the artist, on the entrepreneur, when his gift is criticized. You know, throughout human history, people have seen great giftedness in this way. Not only Christians, but in other religions and cultures as well. In Greek and Roman culture, when somebody wrote a beautiful poem or song, they said of that person that they had a muse, and the muse delivered that to them. Now, we know it wasn't a muse. We know the Spirit of God was delivering that to them, but they'd be scrambling for something to write with in the middle of the night because some idea just all of a sudden appeared in their brain from nowhere, and they never had that thought before. And they thought, this is a great idea. i got to write it down before I go back to sleep. Because if I go back to sleep, it's going to be gone. How many of you have experienced that? Let me see your hand. All right. All over the place. Somehow from the outside of you, even while you are asleep, some amazing idea comes. And I am with you. i got to write it down right then because I know if I wait, it's gone. It's like the gift is passing through you. And you must catch it as it passes by. And you must write it down because it's going to pass through you and then it's going to be gone. They called it a muse in Greek and Roman culture. And you know they started thinking about all the great gifts God gives in terms of coming from Him. All the great accomplishments of man, whether they were in the arts or whether they were in the sciences. And so for the first time in human history, they created the first museum In Alexandria, Egypt, it was the place where they had the collection of the gods and what the gods did among humans. That's the idea of the museum. And so whether it was an accident with some mold in the laboratory that brought about penicillin, hey, we know better than that. God was delivering a great gift to the human family. Or whether it was the theory of relativity occurring in the great mind of Albert Einstein. We say of that thing that has come through us and come our way, that's not me. That's God at work in me. It's why we call people geniuses. When an inspiring and amazing moment happens intellectually in the family of man, they say, that's genius. And the the words derive from an attendant spirit or a protective deity. Even in the vocabulary we use is this ancient understanding that people experience from the outside of their psyche, their heart, their emotions, and even their intellect, these things that pass through. 
And so to protect yourself, as you know God is working in you, you say, this is a gift from God. He has inspired. He has given this moment. And it is his. And it's passing through me on the way to others for the common good. You have a gift. I asked you last week to write it down. If you haven't done so, I want you to write down your gift. You say, well, I don't know what it is. Well, I want you to write down what you think your gift is. I want you to write down what you think your passion is, what you really are passionate about in this world. I want you to write them down. I want you to think about them as gifts from God. You have a gift. It is not for you alone. It is for the family of faith, for the common good. God gave you that gift in order to bless people around you. That's why you have it. And you are a steward of this gift, just like you are a steward of the physical resources that come your way. You are a steward of this gift. Now, it is transformational for you to use it. The Apostle Paul says you've got this gift of grace from God. If it's prophecy, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouragement, start doing encouraging. If it's giving, do it generously. If it's showing mercy, well, show, show mercy cheerfully. Start doing what your gift is. Because the sad truth is that there are many people in the room right now who remember when they used to do. And if they assess themselves, they would say, well, I used to do, but I don't do anymore. We are under this terrible illusion that one day we're going to come before Jesus at the judgment on the last day. And Jesus is going to judge us according to our ideas. You know, did you have the correct theology? Now, let me, let me investigate, Jesus might say to you, about your stand on irresistible grace. And we think that's the test. Were you pre-poster all? Millennial, your view of the end times. You think that's going to be the final exam? We live it as, as if it is. You know, if we got all the right ideas in our brain and we believe the right things, then we're good. We're ready to stand before Jesus. You really think so? Because what the Scripture says is we're going to be judged, every man, according to his what? His works. When Jesus gave his version of the last exam, that's the passage where he says, I was hungry, and you fed me. Remember that passage? He said they're going to stand before him. This is the, the great white throne, great and small. I was hungry. If you did it, if you did it, not if you thought it, not if you hoped it, not if you thought it was a good idea, if you did it, I'm a little sensitive about this because I just got criticized this last week. <laughs> I got criticized for something I said about Jesus' teaching. 
that they ought to be applied, you know, in communities. We need to take care of children as communities. And the person said, oh no, you can't apply the teaching of Jesus to a community. That's just for individual ethics. Well, if I understand the Old Testament right, nations and governments are going to be judged on how they treat the most vulnerable among them. Have you ever read the prophets? The king is judged on how he treats the orphan and the widow. When King Lemuel rises to power, his mother says to him now, King Lemuel, I want you to make sure that you speak on behalf of the poor. That's what he said. The counsel to the king is, don't you forget the people who are vulnerable. But that, that's not even the point. What I'm wondering, those who believe that it's all a personal ethic, my question is, okay, you believe that. What are you doing? You did it to the least of these. You did it to me. You did not do it to the least of these. You did not do it unto me. What are you doing? Young person, what are you doing? You believe it's good to take care of the orphan. What are you doing? Grandmother, you believe it's good to care for those in need. What are you doing? Not what do you believe. Not have you got good ideas. What are you doing? Some of the stuff we do is going to burn up on the day of judgment, according to the Apostle Paul. And some of it's going to be like gold, silver, and precious stones. You say, well, what are those gold, silver, and precious stones? That's what you do with your gift in the name of the God who gave it to you. It's what you do with your gift. Use it. Use it because it will change your perspective on the world. You think the world's in trouble. Yes, it is. You think there's sorrow and heartache on every hand. Yes, there is. Do you think there are problems that need to be addressed in the world? Yes, there are. But you may become hopeless and in despair unless and until you lay down whatever is in your hand and you pick up the towel and you say, I'm going to do something with the gift, the resources, and the time God is going, has given me. I'm not just going to think about it or lament about it. I'm going to do something about it. And the most helpful and hopeful people on the planet are people who get up and get their hands dirty dealing with the problems, not just bemoaning them. Amen. Hey, you've got a gift. You do. I want to grab you by the lapel. Say, you got a gift. What are you doing? You discouraged? You in despair? Feel like the world's coming apart? You feel helpless and hopeless? What if tomorrow morning you were to go help with the problem that you feel so troubles the world? What if it were you that showed up to help 
It would change your perspective on the world, on how things are and ought to be. You would come with a new hope in your heart for all that God can do. If you are suffering from the notion that you have nothing to contribute, I want you to look up for when we're going back to Africa, Bob. All right? Come talk to Bob. I want you to be the one that goes to Africa this summer. I want you to load up and go. You know what happens to six-person team in Africa? They get down, they got to do vacation Bible school. They got to help in the marketplace. They may have to do some construction. They've got to relate to people that they've never met before. All kind of assignments fall to them as they make this mission trip. And guess what? They come back almost without exception saying, God used me. God used me. It was wonderful. I feel like I was able to help. And, and the person who feels like they have nothing to give discovers they have something to give, maybe something wonderful and amazing to give, something transformational to give. It happens every time we transplant ourselves from this culture and go somewhere with these different assignments. Somehow God uses us and it changes how we see ourselves. We get back here and we're fired up, ready to do something new for the work of God and the gospel of Christ. I challenge you, don't bemoan the condition of the world all your life. Put your <laughs> gift in motion. Use it. The Apostle Paul says use it because they had so many used-to-doers in the church that he spoke to. They used to prophesy, they weren't doing anymore. They used to give, they weren't doing anymore. They used to serve, they weren't doing anymore. You think back to the time you were using your gift. And you will probably remember that time with great fondness. I'll bet you will think about it as a happy time. A time when you felt useful and productive. And somehow you decided to retire your gift. And stop doing what you know you blessed people through and what blessed you. And you stopped doing it. That's not right. That's wrong. You can't do that with God's gift. Do you want to hear one day, you lazy, wicked servant? How many people want to hear that one day? Not me. I mean, it was the guy who buried the talent in the ground to whom the Lord said, you lazy, wicked servant. There's a kind of wickedness that comes with just retiring yourself and sitting down on the sidelines of what God's doing in the world you can't do that and be faithful to how God gifted you and called you use your gift it will change your life it will open your eyes it will unleash God's power in you. God is at work when you use your gift. The gift is designed for the common good of all the brothers and sisters. And when you use it, connect it to virtue. 
make sure that you use your gift in a way that is virtuous. All of us have been embarrassed to one degree or another by the behavior of high-profile athletes, even in this playoff season we're in. And we lament how they act on the field. One newscaster said, I saw 12 incidences at the end of this playoff game that I thought, what in the world? It's like the game has unraveled. I wouldn't want to be some high-profile person who really believed in Jesus standing before God one day, having acted in an ungodly way before the world. To whom much is given, much is what? Required. To whom much is given, much is required. And so the Apostle Paul goes through this listings and he says, look, if you're going to prophesy, prophesy in faith. If you're going to lead, use diligence. Diligence. Do it diligently. I like the word diligence. You like the word diligence? I'm going to call you to diligence. Everybody in the room would say, diligence is a virtue. It's a good thing to be diligent, to stick at it, to have determination, right? I'm going to call you to diligence in regard to your gift that God has given you, to be diligent in the use of it, whatever your age may be or era of life that you're in, however you're feeling, whether you're, you, you've been afflicted with, with some sickness or you've had a difficult time, I want to challenge you to find a way to use your gift and be diligent in it. Connect your gift and the use of it to virtue. Don't get haughty about it. Some of you are greatly gifted. Don't get puffed up about it. It is a gift God gives. Use it with humility. Use it diligently. Use it in faith. Use it cheerfully. The Lord doesn't want us serving Him, grumbling all the time. I mean, who, who wants that? Would you want an employee in your business that just grumbled all the time? Oh, I've got to answer this phone again. Hello! <laughs> Would that bless you? No, you wouldn't want that, would you? That's why he puts in here, look, let's, let's do this cheerfully. Some of you connect to people who are hurting just like that. Your eyes meet and your heart goes out to them and you have the gift of mercy. And it is a beautiful gift. You were like the Son of God when he walked on this earth. He looked at that young man and the scripture says, Immediately, he loved him. And he wanted something better for him. And that happens to you because God has given you the gift of mercy. It is a powerful gift to use with diligence and joy. And when you do it, it changes you as well as that person to whom you minister. Connect your giftedness to the godly behavior of the God who gave it to you. You say, this gift I have is given by the Father above, okay? Then operate in the Father's character as you use your gift. And the key thing with that is love. Paul says at one place, the greatest of all these things is love. 
And so love people as you use your gift. Love them for Jesus' sake. If you don't love them, when you prophesy, you're like a, a clanging gong or a resounding gong. You sound empty. You sound like an empty barrel. Do it in love. Exercise your gift in love, and God will use you in a marvelous way. I think there's somebody in the room today who has sidelined yourself in the good fight of faith. You got off the track, and you figure you're ineligible now. (laughs) And you're not ineligible. Today, the Holy Spirit is calling you back to the work he called you to do a long time ago. And he's calling you to no longer be a used-to-do person, but to be at present, on task, with the people around you who need your gifts. God's speaking to somebody and saying, it's time to get back in the game. It's time for you to start doing what you know you ought to do in your heart. And when you do it, it's going to be a blessing to me. It's going to bless Bob. It's going to bless Christy. It's going to bless your church and your deacons. And it's going to be something that you give for the common good. It's an amazing thing. The brothers and sisters in the body caring for one another through the use of their spiritual gift. Bow with me, please. Maybe, maybe what you really need today is to take the first step of faith. To say in your heart, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've gone my own way. I confess that to you. I pray you'll forgive me. Would you come into my life and be my own personal Savior? Maybe what you need to do today is commit your life to Christ. That is the priority. That is the first thing. Maybe you're at a crossroads and you need to decide whether you're going to get back in or keep yourself sidelined. Lord, I pray today that our response will bring you glory in this moment of decision. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.